I smell so bad. Are we recording right now? We're recording. Uh oh. Wait. No, I'm our, okay. our 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 <laughs> listeners want us to be more authentic. I'm assuming. <laughs> I was like, I feel like we're always. We haven't really some gotten might that. Even say too authentic. They're like, yeah, I that's just enough. Tone it down. Smell really. It's and so. Is that by your own doing? No, it's just so hot. Oh, yeah. Can we talk about that for a second? We've been staying in an Airbnb for two days because we don't have AC in our apartment. No. We have a portable oh, no. one, but we're in Portland, which not a lot of places have AC. And so our apartment was 96 degrees no. with the AC running. Nope. So we did an Airbnb and it was fabulous. We made dinner. We watched some soccer. We had our cousin over. It was a good time. And now we're like going back to our apartment and we're like, oh my God, I hate it here. It's so hot. Oh man. Which is basically why my husband and my dog are both with us because hey. we, yep. we were three rotisserie chickens. Someone had to take some tongs and go over there and flip us over. So it's a good joke. That's it was rough. Funny. Yeah. It was uh, rough though. Our latest reel, The Names of God, is just blowing up like crazy. Okay, and we need to explain some backstory on that because I thought that that was going to absolutely tank because in our group chat, we have a chat with you, me, and Emily, our producer. And shout out to Emily. This would not exist without her, so props. There's no audience here to clap, but if there was, they'd be clapping for you. Um, but we had this group chat, and you were saying, let's upload the full three minutes. And I was mm -hmm. like, nobody is going to watch three minutes of this. Like, cut it down to 90 seconds, and then I'll post it. And you were like, no, nah, we're doing the full three minutes. And I was like, nobody's going to watch that. And then we post it, and like within two hours, it had like hundreds of shares, thousands of views, like crazy. So thank you, everybody, for watching it and mm. proving me wrong. It's something I'm totally fine being wrong on. Yeah, no, absolutely. Similar I to how just, I thought this podcast was going to tank. Just so. very reminiscent of how the whole thing began, mm -hmm. where you thought this yeah. was going to be a bus. And yeah. after episode two, we were ranked number two in philosophy. It's almost like you should listen to me more. It's almost like... I don't know how to use social media. <laughs> okay, also that too. That's I, a lot. I don't know. Like, I get short, short term content was short form. Yes, short form content is a thing. Yeah, but I do feel like if your long form content on Instagram it's is good. good enough, people will share it. And we don't do a lot of it, so maybe we were just like, hey viewers are like oh my gosh they never do like a full three minutes this must be some crazy stuff and then they watch it and they're like yep this is some crazy i stuff. mean i think we said we're giving away our science of our algorithm but we did what we knew works yes christian and atheist yep. immediately people are like oh that's that's interesting yeah and I think then we told people it was a game that got people hooked it got them we didn't even have any trending audio on it or anything so no. shout out to everyone who watched it that's been so fun that's right uh, shout out to josh it. who's got the good ideas seriously i literally so people don't know this when we first that started the so idea. egotistical <laughs> <laughs> shout out to me me not I'm... even giving it two seconds i'm like yeah so anyways <laughs> moving right along when we started this podcast i said yeah we'll do it for like six months really just to like figure out and be creative we literally wanted to create this just to create and be fun and we were like no one's probably going to listen to this but it'll be fun and i was like uh-huh with the full i had the full intention of closing this down in october i know of being like six months and then we're done and now look so i have had to and i told you this like i have had to totally pivot how i think about this podcast and be like oh this isn't something that like it's gonna close like we're gonna keep going and this is just now yeah a living being I and know i love we've it we talked about this before, but this 
at least for me, still is my favorite project that I'm currently working on. Yes, same. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, we're going to talk about this in the next episode, but what I'm doing in my life's work is evolving. What it means for me to be a pastor is kind yes. of evolving in different ways at the moment. And I think with that, um, I do view Holy Hell as a, I wouldn't say like a release valve or a release of getting out like sermons or stuff. Cause this isn't a sermon, but I will say the, like the DMS that we get and the affirmations that we get of like, thank you for bringing yeah. this spiritual content. It's in a lot of ways, what I've always wanted to bring to the table. Yes. I, I've, I know I'm a, a pastor to help people out, out of toxic theology. Yep. And, um, I think we've definitely been able to participate in that, yep. in that aspect with this. I so agree. I like sometimes forget that I was a pastor and I look back and I'm like, wow, my experience as a pastor was so different than like, I think what it should have been. And this is like, we're getting like so deep, like four minutes in, I'm not but, sure. uh, one, I want to say my experience as a pastor was not negative because of the people that I had the privilege of pastoring. They were yeah. incredible yeah. young adults that were just so hungry to learn more and really open to perspective. It was just awesome. But at the same time, getting a lot of pushback and having to constantly fight to talk about things like equality was just, you were, I was constantly swimming upstream and never getting good feedback from the community outside of the people I was pastoring. And so now it feels so weird that now that I'm not a Christian and not a pastor, I'm getting good feedback from that community that I so desperately wanted to impress back in the day. You know what I mean? It's just so strange. I'm like, oh, now you like what I have to say? And last year or the year before that, that community was like, we want nothing to do. I mean, there's still that, those people that oh, have yeah, nothing to do absolutely. with either of us. Yeah. But it's just nice to know that there are, that the feedback we've gotten is so incredible. Mm. I'm like, we'll read the the DMs or the discords or Patreon yeah. comments or comments on anything. And it's just incredible. And everyone is Amazing. getting along and respecting perspectives yeah. and sharing ideas. Mm -hmm. I've seen people in the comments change their minds on things or say mm -hmm. something like, Oh, that's a really interesting point. Like I've never thought about that. Could you point me to a resource? And then like sharing resources. Yeah. It's like our own little community. Yeah. It, I mean, it really is a little community. Are we starting um, a cult? Uh, Cult rule number one Ooh, is so. you don't call it a cult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. So are we starting an intentional community of that's better. All sorts of people that right are making the world a better place. Yes. Maybe. Yes. We're not going to move to Jamaica or some weird shit like that, but speak for yourself. That'd be a little too Jones. <laughs> the pod is young. Um, with DMS and stuff though, feel free to send us any sort of DMS. We do read all of them. Yes. It's so funny when like either you or I respond to a DM. Yeah. They'll be like, thank you for the podcast. I recently came out or I, I don't have the opportunity to come out or I've always thought about this yeah. this way. And we're like, thank you so much. Like, we really appreciate that. And almost every time it doesn't fail. They go, oh, my God, you read my DM. Can we be clear about something? Yes, we have. We're ranked right now number eight in philosophy because we yeah. haven't posted in the last couple of days. Yeah. Like, do people notice us on the street? And ask for our autographs. Yes. No, that did, is not true. Did TMZ do an article on Savannah's fashion style last week? Absolutely. Maybe. Just kidding. I wish. JK, uh, we're not Anna famous. Anna Wintour <laughs> is emailing me constantly. Okay. But seriously though, if someone wants to do a brand deal with us and it involves just food. Who would our, wait, anything no, who would, edible. We who will would our take brand it. deal be? I would want it to be clothes. You know, BetterHelp's going to reach out. You think? Oh, 
Have like you checked ad? our inquiry emails recently? No, I never Just checked per, per things. You should go check it. Because I do think BetterHelp would be a great sponsor. I do think BetterHelp would be a great oh, sponsor uh-oh. for this <laughs> podcast. Okay. Don't you think BetterHelp yeah, could I, be a great... Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. I think BetterHelp would be so good. <laughs> also, Diet Coke, I think, would be a great sponsor. Could so that would you be Coca-Cola. Imagine? That would be Coca-Cola. I don't even care. As long as... Be- imagine if Coca- What if BetterHelp just sends us Diet Coke? No, that's our That's our royalty deal. <laughs> what an upgrade if, like, better... Okay, so, like, we haven't had one ad read. No one has sponsored this podcast yet. And our first sponsor is freaking Coca-Cola. <laughs> Like they've never, like the they've echelon never done, of ads. Yeah, they've never done one ad anywhere else, and they're like, you know what? These guys know what they're talking about. We're putting <laughs> all of imagine? our money into this podcast because if there's one thing that people drink, what are you? Just, where, just keep, just keep talking. I'm just thinking, what do the people that drink Coca-Cola have in common with philosophy? And I beg to the question. The point I would bring up is, what's the difference? And that's. On exploring perspectives. Cheers. I don't know. I feel like that was a really good ad read. I don't know. We're open. Do you want to know what heaven sounds like? The nice, refreshing, crisp sound of a Coca-Cola opening when it's 105 degrees outside. That's good. You know who... Actually, never mind. I was going to make a Jesus eye on the cross for our sins joke, but Coca-Cola, and then my mind kind of fast-forwarded. You were like, read the room. Like, I Is Coca-Cola going to sign off on that? If the Holy Spirit was in the room, they would cancel me, so I can't say that. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. All that to say, I think... If if I had to pick a sponsor, number one, BetterHelp. Number two... I do think BetterHelp is going to become a sponsor for this. I'm going to manifest it. That actually really aligns with For all of you praying praying followers out there. And non. um, Make help. Better help, but God. That'll be our... Did you ever say that? But God. It's like when something goes bad, but then like God intervenes. Oh, better help, but God. It was, it was a bad joke. Anyway, so yeah. better help could be we'll one. We'll workshop that. I think that um, Sephora would be a great one. Just putting it out there. Looking right at the... <laughs> I think Sephora would be great. I think Nike would be impeccable. I think we'd make a great team. The Can't stuff do Nike. that we could do. Why? Because we're going to be doing a podcast on climate change soon. Right. <laughs> we can't do Nike. Right. Um, Which is coming. We could do my company. Please elaborate if you like this hat. And just hit the link in my bio. What, what if our two if sponsors? If your company needs DEI training or public speaking skills, I got you. Savannah, what if our two opening sponsors was, was better? Ma- was, no, no, no. Was please elaborate in Heretic Coffee. <laughs> it's like our own companies. <laughs> like, wait. It's like advertisement fraud, basically. This may be a little bit of a teaser. Maybe in our other video, we're going to be filming an About Us video where you can actually learn more about like our origin stories as villains, um, where we're talking about About Us. We can share the companies that we both run and all of that. Sorry, so, a lot of problems. Right if now. you don't, uh, just everyone look at me. Sorry. I am the captain now. If you love coffee, Josh owns a coffee shop called Heretic Coffee. If you work at a company and your workplace absolutely sucks, let me know. I run a DEI and leadership consulting agency, and we can come to you. And so between the two of us, we got basically all of your needs covered. And I'm just saying. If, if you, you need therapy, more. contact BetterHelp. If yeah. you need something to drink. Not us giving free advertising. <laughs> come on. They're, they're literally going to be like, we don't need to pay these yeah, guys. Yeah, no, no. Okay, where I was going with all of that was oh, okay. send us DMs. We are not that. 
popular. Correct. Yet. Correct. Not that we're looking. We are absolutely losers. So please reach out. We do have the okay, time. Whoa. One thing about us, we have the time. I wouldn't call myself a loser. That's rough. Well. But reach out. We do read every DM. It might take us a couple of days to get there. Yeah. Because we do, do get but a lot. But we do. We, but do, we do read. Get them. Probably not every comment because no there's like way. hundreds of comments. There's no way. We love going in the comments, but we will answer pretty much every DM. Yep. So. Cue, cue the... Cue, cue the logo. That's the, I was talking about our I know, logo. Okay, just just roll the logo. Oh my All god! Right, here we go. Savannah, and I'm an atheist, kind of. Hi, I'm Josh, and I'm a Christian, kind of. And this is the Holy Hell Podcast, where we look at the Christian religion from a historical and spiritual perspective to understand how the hell we got to the Christianity we have today. And we may even raise a little hell along the way. Um, Hail Satan, is that what that was? Hail Satan. Oh, no, you, you got rock on. This oh. is, no, that's love. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Hail Satan? <laughs> Hail, Sa- Hail Satan. I think this is rock on. And then when you do this, it's this hail, is Satan. hail Satan. Yeah. Okay. For those listening, we're just moving our fingers around. Yeah. Also, it is really hot, and we both have derailed like nine times. It's so I'm hot. I'm gonna have to edit this shit out. Yeah, of Yeah, we're gonna episode. probably have to cut this intro. But do we want to get into our topic today? Yes, but before we do, we okay. have we have a couple things we gotta hit. Right. Number one, uh, episode on homosexuality homosexuality was incredible, and we did do a bonus episode on our Patreon. Yes, so if you are not a Patreon member, we have tiers. You can do five, ten, or thirty-five dollars. There is a scale, and no matter what you are signed up for, you get access to all of our bonus episodes. I think there's two sitting up there right now, and yep. we'll put some extra fun content on there when we be another one next just, week yep. as well. So there's a bonus episode. If you love the homosexuality episode, there is a part two that goes into. Sex sexuality as a whole that is the bonus episode on patreon right now and then another one will be going up next week that we're filming tomorrow not to mention you get discounts on merch when we release that which is very very soon here very soon yep and And if you're in what is it the 10 the 10 dollar and the 35 you get access to the discord yes which we finally figured out how to sync yes fine we're good there and also you get discounts or no sorry not discounts early access to uh, tickets for our live shows. Yes. Which does. Which more things are coming. Uh-huh. We've got ho, ho, ho. It's going to be a good time. Ho, ho, ho. Going to be a good show. Ho, ho, You're ho. Going to be a good show. And that's all. We've already told them we're doing a Christmas show. Why yeah, are we being yeah, secret yeah. about this? We're going to look at that venue uh, next Tuesday. Yeah, we're looking at a venue. I'm My hope, my, my manifestations, my prayers are what is going on. Wait, does I that feel not like work I'm being left out of the joke. Tuesday. I told him Tuesday. Tuesday. No, it's Tuesday. Y'all we're going literally Tuesday. liked the text that said Tuesday. It's 3:30. Tuesday. Tuesday, 3.30? Sorry, we're okay, having okay. Some, some team issues over here. Uh, we're looking at, at a venue Tuesday. I'm hoping 100 people. Yeah, I think we can do it. I think we can do it. Yep. Yeah. I think that'll be... That will be good. That'll be so good. Um, anything else? That's it. Um, last thing... Uh, Huge shout out to BetterHelp for sponsoring this video. Uh, we're not giving them free advertising. <laughs> they're never going to pay us because they're like, they're just right. doing it for we're us. We're going to lose our shot. I am not good at. Uh, speaking of just therapy in general, I love my therapist. We've been going for like four months. Incredible. Wonderful woman. Did you find she them through BetterHelp? Pick the right answer. I Lie. found them through a great Lie. avenue. Called BetterHelp. <laughs> well, BetterHelp's only virtual. Mine's in person. Yeah. 
through my I mean, insurance. For some of us, doing things oh, virtually is better. So. Sure, 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 sure. Okay. Anyways, Let's topic today is gender and the gendering of God specifically. Whoa. Now, this is actually, and Josh and I were just talking about it, is actually a much more layered and complex topic than you would think. Because unlike last week when we talked about homosexuality, there are not a lot of, homosexuality is not mentioned a lot. The idea of it and sexuality is not mentioned a lot in the older New Testament compared to several other topics. So there's not a lot to work with there in general. That's why a lot of times the argument is there's just not a lot of material to build up a homophobic theology. And that's why it's problematic. So, but with gender, it's all over the Bible and it changes how it's used and how the cultures view gender changes a lot. And the use of it is, is present in the language throughout the whole book. So it's, its presence is deeper and more complex than some of the other topics we've discussed. So we are, this is not going to be an exhaustive discussion on the gendering of God um, or the topic of gender in the Bible and with with language. This is not going to be exhaustive. We are going to do broad strokes. And then in the notes, there will be some resources that you can go to for some deeper study that Mm -hmm. we'll cite in the show notes. Um, but the goal here is really to spark a discussion that if you are view, if you're watching this or listening to this and you grew up thinking that God was male and that God as a female was untrue or blasphemous, we're not here to change your mind on that. Yep. We're here to have a discussion and have you maybe hold multiple ideas alongside of that. And at the same time, we'll probably bring in perspectives that we had um, in our churches as well. Yeah. And then also as well, we'll probably get into why the evangelical world and many, if not the universal, the universal, the universal church uses God as a male figure. I'm sure this actually does play into some of the uh, conversations we had last time, which is very much about power dynamics Mm -hmm. and why we choose a masculine God over a feminine God. Yeah. So where would you like to start? So I've been doing a lot of work in Celtic Christianity recently and been looking at a lot oh, of okay. like first century Celtic Christendom and what essentially they would view God as I'm doing this with my spiritual director. And what I find really fascinating about um, previous iterations of Christianity, primarily before you have like Western, like European or Western American Christianity yeah. um, ways of understanding what God is or who God is or what gender God is. A lot of times God was found in the earth or around us or below us. But what I'm finding fascinating, this is a little bit more of a theory an opinion, but it does play into it. First century Celtic Christianity would view God or earth as God. God was the earth. Earth was the God. But at the same time, the gender or the pronoun they would always use for God. I'm reading this book right now called The Earth is God. Another one called The Belonging of Earth, The Belonging of God. And anytime that they reference God, they use two different, well, they use one title, the divine feminine, always, but then they also always use the pronouns she to talk about God. There's a severe lack of masculinity when they're talking about God. Okay. And what I find even striking inside of that, the tone of which things are used throughout the book is caring, uh, nurturing, yeah. When you're talking about the earth, you're talking about stewarding the ground that gives you gives you life back. 
Therefore, there is this mutual uh, relationship. It's a mutual power dynamic. It is something that is there to care for you and uh, have concern for you. Therefore, you must give care and concern back to it. And so there's this partnership also because it's real. It's mass. It's something you can hold, right? right? Like you, you, you take care of the ground with your actual like real body. Therefore, you have a real connection, connection with God. And it's a really fascinating dichotomy between that versus um, someone standing on stage talking about the strength or the power of God right. through particular um, male pronouns. It's a completely different cultural shift. And I think for me, especially with um, my, like if you listen to the Patreon episode with my family background, having a sort of like masculine approach to God, sure. that is that is non-existent in my life. Yeah. I've had no connection it's not healing for you. It's not healing yeah. for me. Um, and that is just a small taste of what I'm sure so many women, some of our queer folks yeah. and people like me, a straight cis male, another white guy in a church who didn't necessarily have a father figure growing up. Um, when you can't identify with a God who is a yeah. father, it's really hard to identify with God period. And so when I'm reading these books and I'm reading about God is in the ground, uh, God is essentially what they're saying is mother nature is God. God is mother nature. God as a mother, a caretaker, someone who can guide you in life, but hold your hand through it peacefully takes you yeah. to the next steps as you partner with that God. God as a mother, God as a her for me very much speaks way more. Sure. Like the volume gets turned up for me. And uh, seeing God as a mother versus a God as a father. But that also doesn't mean God as a father, number one, does exist very much throughout the scriptures. But then also other people identify with that iteration of God more than they would God as a right. mother. So I find that kind of fascinating for me. Um, and you said this is first century. Yes. Primarily through Celtic Christianity. Early Catholicism also kind of identified this until Catholicism Catholicism really became like a European structure. Um, okay. And I inside have a question, of that, I'm, I'm just... inside of that, that's where you start seeing a huge cultural shift of um, God as a female figure into God as a male figure. I have a question, and I'm just fact checking myself really quick beforehand because I want to know. I have two questions. Also, okay. at the same time, Savannah and I do not do our research together, and that's intentional. I like it because then it, yeah. I'm cause, because so this then is we have my world. moments like this. So, okay, first century. So this is right. I was just making sure that all the gospels had been written by mm -hmm. the first century, by like mm -hmm. 100. So we're looking at literally the years 100 to like 200 CE. Right. Yep. So one Celtic is that Ireland? Is that where's? Yeah. Ish. Yeah. So like a little bit more isolated from the European experience. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering mm -hmm. if that had any impact on them. Two, do we know how the Celtic Christians viewed Mary? Because you said Mary, Mary, okay. who is gave birth to Jesus, the divine. Mm -hmm. So were they able to hold God as a father with Mary to give birth to Jesus or did they still think God as, as mother and Mary oh, as mother basically like, were they okay with Mary being a mother and then God being a mother? Like, yeah, two mothers? I, I don't know 
I do find it funny because like one of the questions I asked was similar to that, which is you have the gospels being written, essentially completed, finished, but you might distri- not have had access to them at that. Exactly. Time. So yeah. distribution of that, then right. how does a Northern, particularly centralized around Belfast, a Northern Ireland, um, spiritual belief have the title Christendom. Um, and I'm getting to this point in this book, the belonging of God, where they're talking about how the title of Christendom wasn't always attached to it, but it was so linear to the Gospels that they just essentially merged, merged. the language of it Were all together. Were they using the Old Testament? I guess if they're calling themselves a Christian community, well, they wouldn't even have well, that, they wouldn't that even had, word yeah, yet. That's, that's what I'm thinking is they didn't even have access to that. Who gave them that, that title? That. Um, good question. I don't know. That'd be, I'm, I'm so looking at the, the four chapters of this thing okay, and it's you gotta blowing keep us updated my mind. Because that yeah. is crazy. Also, it sounds a lot like a Wiccan who really like Wiccans believe that they're Y'all divine. don't freak out. Everyone always thinks Wiccans are like witches. And yeah, I know. Absolutely yeah. not. It's Wiccans so, yeah. are gorgeous the, the the concept is that if y'all don't know this wiccans believe that the divine that the earth and things around us have a divine sense and that mm-hmm. basically god is the earth and everything that is natural and it should be worshiped in that sense i mean isaiah talked about that right it's yeah. n- the devil is not being worshiped in a wicked i don't know i think the the word for it it's confusing because Wiccan sounds like wicked or right. witch. I mean, we so can thank Hollywood for, for that. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But they're unrelated. A Wiccan is someone who believes in that kind of divinity in nature, which yeah. I think is just so beautiful. So it kind of sounds like that mixed with a little bit of that monotheistic theology. That is mm-hmm. so, you have to keep me updated because I totally I've will. never heard of that. It is a new, it's a new branch of... <sighs> My theology, I'm starting to unpack and unravel. It's really beautiful. Really beautiful. I'm curious if they had like, because of that, if female leaders and female spiritual leaders and shepherds were a thing. From what I'm gathering. And by the way, like leave us some comments in YouTube. I wish you could leave comments like on full episodes like on Spotify. Um, I'm sure someone, one of our followers has extensive research. I'm sure someone has a PhD in Celtic theology. I I wouldn't doubt it. Um, Definitely let us know. Um, Yeah. Would love to have you if on. I'm on the right track with this one, but that that's is so, so cool, right? And oh, I'm identifying that. with that so much, yeah. Um, mainly because in a lot of my the recent years of my pastoral work, um, if you go back and watch like any of my sermons, you'll notice I stay clear of using a pronoun for God. I will say things like, and so instead of saying, and so he, I will say, and so this God, blah blah yeah, blah, yeah, because it can isolate some people, yeah. And this is a little surface level question. I think this is a good question for us to start this conversation to is, um, do you really want to devalue God and almost take the deity that for some of us, for some of Christians out there would believe is beyond humanity, bigger than humanity. When you give God a particular pronoun, particular gender, it does level out that God with humanity. And I think that's beautiful. And I think it's important. I think it's needed. But the reason why most churches, not just evangelicals or whoever, use that is because of the lens of Jesus. Right. Yeah. I think the concept of gender and why a lot of, not just Christianity, but a lot of monotheistic um, and polytheistic religions have high-power male gods Really, you don't need to be an expert to figure it out. I mean, there are a lot of theologians and PhDs that have gone into the research of this, but 
most powerful gods are male because women were treated like horseshit at the time. And mm -hmm. therefore, the idea that a community would follow a female god or goddess, I should say, was very unlikely. Yeah. And we see it in Greek mythology. We see it in um, Egyptian cosmology. We see it all across um, Mesopotamia. We see it in, um, I mean, just in Israel, like we start to see across the Middle East and um, in mm -hmm. Africa that a lot of religions have these, and Greece, uh, male-dominated religions and male-dominated gods because men were the gender in power. Right. And therefore, if you if you are on earth and men are up here in terms of power and women are at zero, your gods are obviously going to be male. Right. Now, that being said polytheistic religions often had female gods as counterparts with the male gods. We mm -hmm. see this in, in, in uh, Greek mythology, you got Athena and then you got, you know, you got Zeus, right? You have all of these, you have men and women, but you never have just women. You have just men, men and women, and that's all. You don't yeah. have just women because nobody would be following a female goddess, especially mm -hmm. when female goddesses as as long as religion has really existed, female goddesses have represented something that is feminine. So they're thinking um, seduction, right, or fertility, um, servant servanthood, things like that. And so attributes that a community full of men are not wanting right. to follow. Yeah. So it makes sense that in the Bible, when we have the development of the monotheist, monotheistic religion that would become Christianity, in its early developmental stages, you have Yahweh, who is obviously male, because at the time, if you're creating a monotheistic religion, if it's developing, it's not going to be female. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to follow that. And and also, your writers are male, your audiences. No female was reading the Bible, and no female was writing the Bible for right. hundreds, if not you know, thousands of years. Right. Just let that sink in. For thousands of years, no female was reading or writing the Bible. Obviously, it's men writing it to men with a male god. And I think that's an important context to start in, mm -hmm. that what would ultimately become Christianity, before Christ even entered the picture, you have this monotheistic religion of worshiping Yahweh, birthed from a place, and when, when that religion was becoming into being, it's in a culture where women are second-class citizens right. that have no power, no money. They can't own property. They uh, can't inherit anything. They can't own land. They can't have a job. They're only allowed to do certain activities. They can't leave the house without their husband's permission. Of course your God's not going to be female. Females mm -hmm. have it the worst. Yeah. So, um, But a man has power, can be a soldier, can have money, can own women, right? A man is so powerful. So, of course, the God is going to be male, mm -hmm. That context, I think, is critical for understanding how Yahweh and why the monotheistic God of Christianity often is referred to as he. What do you, I mean, what are your, yeah. how, I, let me toss this question to you. How would that sit with you if you were, or in your evangelical days? I mean, how would that sit? Yeah, I, I think that would, that would add up uh, to my evangelical days. I thought you were going to ask a question, which I think this might be a maybe better, deeper question. How would that sit if I was like a first century Jew? Almost. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I would say that totally adds up to everything I've been handed. Right. Um, so I often wonder then why do you see early 
early iterations of the Israelites using God as a icon of power, strength, masculinity. Yes. Um, this is a God that is strong and powerful, right? A God as a leader. You also have to think through where they started their journey and what sort of culture they were handed before they became their own people. We did get into this a couple of um, episodes ago. So if you want to go back and kind of learn about the trajectory of the Israelites, again, they came from primarily their culture was created through two different places, um, Babylon and Egypt. And when you look at the, the mythology with which with Babylon, you had very founded, uh, mythology, same with Egypt. And I do find it really fascinating that in Babylonians' creation story, it's the woman god who dies. In Babylonians' Enuma Elish, it's always the women gods yeah. who get who who either get murdered or destroyed in yes. order to make way or seduce. I think in Epic of Gilgamesh, it's the female that like seduces the guy on his journey, and because of that, she gets killed. She gets killed. Yeah. Right. It's always um, always it, us making the sacrifice. And then in and I find this really fascinating in Egyptian mythology, you have 12 different pharaohs who get resurrected. And the one of the time who doesn't get resurrected is an interim pharaoh who was a woman. Yes. And so the Israelites were handed a power structure that a male figure is more powerful than a woman figure. Absolutely. That is what they knew. Because again, uh, you see this throughout the story of Leviticus. Um, Leviticus is a story of Israel becoming their own people. Be- that is God essentially removing the toxic culture of Egypt and yeah. Babylon out yep. of the Israelite people, right? And so all they knew was power structures built around um, around a male figure. Yeah. So of course Yahweh would be a male figure, a male icon. Right. Icon of course. Them. Yeah. A female would not make sense, and no one would follow a female goddess at that time. Yeah. And I think, and we can get into this that. Some of you might be listening and saying, but God is referred to as wisdom and as a female, as a hen mm-hmm. gathering her chicks. Those are metaphors that right. are used to describe yes. God. But yep. God in the Bible is never directly referred to with she feminine pronouns. Yeah. I think that's critical to acknowledge that now in this podcast, everyone that's listening, we're about to ask you to hold two ideas that are hard to hold. But if the original authors and readers could do it, I know we can too. We live in a modern society where we like things black and white, but actually the readers and authors of these ancient texts were very good at holding the complexity Mm -hmm. of the human experience and how we understand the divine. So we're going to dive into that a little bit, but God is referred to when referring to God directly is referred to with male pronouns. That being said, the authors would often use feminine metaphors like uh, Jesus as a hen gathering her chicks or as wisdom, Sophia, which is feminine, um, to describe what God was like. That's different than referring to God as she. That's referring to God as he, but he Mm. has characteristics that are like a woman. Additionally, while Yahweh or uh, Elohim is um, masculine, Ruach, this Holy Spirit, is feminine. Yes. Now that's just, that does not mean that the readers saw the Holy Spirit as female. That is simply a linguistic differentiation that is um, arbitrary. Like when you say in Spanish, uh, the movie is La Pelicula, so that's female, but the theater, El Teatro, is masculine. Mm -hmm. We would never say that a movie is more feminine than the theater. That's not, those are arbitrary. So a lot of times we hear that argument for, well, 
the Holy Spirit was feminine. It wasn't. And it was, it was just language. So Elohim is just masculine because of its spelling. And Ruah is just feminine because of its spelling. Yeah. So a lot of times we can get confused when we see that. And even myself, who is very much, even when I was a Christian, I very much knew that God was genderless. It's God, right? God doesn't have a vagina or a penis. God is just God. Like if you argue that, then you've got other bigger problems. But so, but I think that it can get confusing when you're diving into the original language and you might not have experience with that language or you're seeing the masculine and then the feminine, just remember that both Hebrew and Greek are just like Spanish mm -hmm. in that you have the feminine um, identifiers and the masculine identifiers, uh, articles, and they're arbitrary. It is not the author's way of saying that the spirit is female right. and Elohim is masculine. It's just the spelling. Yeah. It's just because it was easier to say. Hmm. Um, so I think that part, I want to just, I wanted to note that up front because I get told that a lot yeah. of, well, Ruah is feminine. And while that is important to note, and I think can often be used for the argument of the readers. And this is what I, whenever you hear me mention Elohim and Ruah having different, both me, um, masculine and feminine, I'll usually say that it's an example of how the readers had no problem describing God as Ruach, the spirit that had a feminine art article. They had no problem with that. If they were so gung-ho on making God masculine, they probably wouldn't have used so many female, you know what I mean? So it, it's not a, this is where it gets kind of complex and the linguistic linguistics of it can get a little bit confusing, but just know that the articles of it are arbitrary and not mm -hmm. necessarily concrete evidence mm -hmm. that the spirit was a woman, that the spirit had boobs and that Elohim, God did not. That's mm -hmm. not what it's saying. Yeah. Um, that being said, I think that now would be a good time to talk about the different uses of gender on different religions, physical gendering mm. versus allegorical gendering. Okay. So you probably know this. You just don't know. You didn't know that that's what it was called. In Greek mythology, we see a lot of physical gendering. And that is mm -hmm. when gods are given the physical anatomy of humans for the intention of relating to the human experience and procreating. So in Greek mythology, you see Zeus and Hera, they give birth to Ares, I think, right? So that's like a human experience. That's physical gendering in a religion. It's when you believe that the gods have the same biological anatomy as humans. However, they're not limited to human biology because Zeus also gave birth to Athena through right. his forehead. Yeah. So, right? So there's this physical gendering where Zeus was a man. Athena was a woman or male and female, I should say. Then you have allegorical gendering, and that's what we see in the monotheistic religion of Christianity um, and Judaism and Islam, where God is not explicitly given the biology anatomy of a male. And we know this because the Christian doctrine does not believe that God had sex with Mary mm -hmm. to give birth to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Instead, Mary gives birth to this prodigal son and God has intervened in a divine manner. And that's why we refer to God as father. But we don't believe that Mary actually had sexual intercourse with Yahweh. That is not what anyone believes. And therefore, we know that we are not 
the Christian religion does not believe in physical gendering of God, but more allegorical in order to share God's characteristics in a way that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Did I explain that okay? I think you did really, really well. Okay. What are you, have you heard of those terms before or how does that? I mean, loosely, maybe with that, not, not right. that but language. Right, you've heard of the idea. Very, absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think most, most of us, if you've had any sort of theological education, I think most of us have been handed something like that. Yes. I studied theop- theopoetics and theological imagination in like a Christian context, of course, um, and you're loosely handed those iterations of yep. other gods. Yes. Um, so can we then talk? Can we talk about Jesus for a minute then? Yeah. Okay. So I, do you have to go somewhere? Oh, nice. <laughs> you yeah. just like stood up and I was like, do you need to, <laughs> is your pizza here? Okay. Sorry. Wait, did going. you order pizza? No. Oh, <laughs> just, <laughs> oh. sorry. Keep going. We can really cut that bit, out. Yeah. Um, you said something earlier. I, sorry. This is a terrible segue. I'm just going to use it. Uh, God doesn't have a penis, but Jesus did. Right. Okay. But the story of Jesus is always about Jesus standing in the margins with oppressed and marginalized people. So then why would God choose to put God as a human form inside of a man in that culture? I know this is opinion, right? Right. I have a feeling we probably have the same answer to this one. I'd love to hear why was, why then was God in the form of Jesus? Why was it chosen to be male? I have no idea what the answer is. Um, when I, And I can speak only as someone who used to be a Christian, right? right? I don't believe that Jesus was the son of God anymore. Um, if anyone's like, what? It's like, that's what an atheist is. Um, but when I was a Christian, I always thought God entered the world. Did you have something to say? Okay. By the way, we have a special guest. You can't see him on the, you can't see her on the, oh, you can? Oh. Oh, I introduced her. Remember? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 She's yeah. just snoozing, yeah. but she just she's mad that there's other people in this world. Saying, it's okay. I know your mom's an atheist, and you believe in God. <laughs> she's like, Please help okay. me. Um, you can come lay over here if you want. Come here. I think that God could have entered the body of a man or a woman. I I don't think. Sure, it, yeah. He, yeah. There was a you, you had to pick one, right? And he could have, and you you impreg God impregnates Mary, right? Gets. She gives birth without, she's the Virgin Mary. She gives birth in that time period. You could say, one might say, well, he, God could have entered the world as a woman. And because God is God, that God could have been just as successful as a female. So God chose to enter the world as a male because God is a male. And I think that is a very weak argument for there being for God having a gender simply because when we give God a gender, we immediately limit God to the human binary categorization of humanity. Now I want to say this. I know that now we're very aware that sexuality is a spectrum and there is such thing as non-binary. But I think when we're talking about the, theology and gendering of God, we tend to always think, well, was God man or woman? And and I often argue neither. God was neither. Because as soon as you say that God was male, or as soon as you say that God was female, or as soon as you say that God was bisexual or, um, you know, non-binary, as soon as you say that, you are limiting God to our very 
very punitive understanding of how to categorize a human race of which God is above and created. Mm. So it doesn't make sense at all for me, even as a Christian, to say, oh, God entered the body of a man, therefore he must be male. Or God was formed in the, the womb of a woman and therefore he must be a woman. The minute we start entering a dialogue about trying to pigeonhole God into a human categorization, our species, right, has different types of genders and sexualities. And even though there are a spectrum, it's still limited. It's still a category by which I don't think you can categorize the divine. Something that created all of these categories cannot be limited to one of them. You know what I mean? It just, it doesn't, when you look at scripture and you look at the theology and you look at the characteristics of God, some being that created a world out of nothing, to then say that that being, what, had a period? It just it, you immediately limit the power and the influence and the essence of that God when you try and categorize it into one small human category of sexuality or gender. Mm. And that's always been my take, even before I was an atheist. And I think there are actually a lot of Christians that share that. Yeah. I don't think that's new. I'm not inventing that. Yeah. In fact, I was informed of that as a, you know, as a teenager. But yeah. Yeah, interested. Is that your same thought or what do you think? I think I have two reasons why Jesus was a man and why God entered man. I think the first one is a more literal response. Um, If Jesus was a woman, I don't even know if she would have access to even get even a spark of publicity like Jesus could because he was a man. I guess just number one. But the number two, yes, a big movement of Jesus is being with those who are in the margins, but it's also about equal distribution of power. It's decentralizing power. We talked about last time. So So it makes sense for a man to give uh, and to empower people like women. So who did Jesus surround himself with outside the disciples the most? Women. Women. Who paid Jesus' bills? I love that fact. It's my favorite fact that Jesus was literally being bankrolled by women. Yeah. Like, look oh, it up. This yeah. is a real thing. No, it's an absolutely. Um, love it. Uh, Rob Bell's got a uh, a chapter in his book, um, How to Read the Bible, that's called Who Paid Jesus' Bills. So good. And it's just so, so good. I would even argue his, his uh, closest friend outside of the ones that really helped him structure his ministry was a woman. And a lot of times when he would talk to, to Mary, it was very much... Um, things about life and things yes. about uh, himself. Yeah, he didn't patronize women. Absolutely he not. He equipped yeah. them with very critical information. He made them leaders actually in his That's, in his sect. That is Absolutely. such a good point. So you're saying that God could have entered the body of a man to to be an example to other men, to say, to go in as the person of power and then disperse it. He, to say, hey, men, Look at how I treat women. Look at how I treat the orphan and the widow. Now follow suit. Did they? Absolutely not. But he did set the example Mm -hmm. that would then be documented and spread. So that is such an interesting Mm -hmm. point. Yeah. Yeah, because if Jesus had come as a woman immediately you lose access and influence and no one's documenting the stories of women. And now I know a lot of you could say, well, if he was God, then he could do anything. But I do think there is a Mm -hmm. sense of God limiting himself to the frailties and limitations of the human experience when he enters that body that 
allows them to engage more accurately with humans. Absolutely. So there's Absolutely. that, you know, yeah. it's so complicated. We'll never know the answer, but you know, and this is such a sidebar. You know why women terrify me? I mean, this has got to be a multitude yeah. of reasons. Uh, oh, definitely is. Sure. Let me also just preface our entire staff, our entire board with two different places are all women. And literally my, my life is them reminding me of the blind spots that I have. Good. Good for you. Do you know, listen, uh, okay. Here's, here's a better way of phrasing this. Why I feel like many men in the world continue to oppress women. I firmly believe it's because they are absolutely terrified of what a woman can do. Correct. Here's the reason why. You are aligned with a rock floating in space that is also aligned with the turning of the tide in the ocean. Yeah. That's fucking scary. Yeah. We're I'm just a guy. Yeah. You literally just a guy. are synced up with a planet, with yeah. the moon. Yeah. It's real. It's my, here's what I think. I think that, and this is always, am I about to tell this story? Should I tell the, I'm going to tell it. So a few years ago, I got asked to speak at a high school. This is back in my pastoral days. I'm not going to name names or anything, um, but I, I spoke at a high school. And when I referred to God, remember, I was a Christian at the time. I was a pastor. And whenever I refer to God, I use interchanging pronouns. I use he, she, and they to say, God, they are with you. Or God, she is powerful. God, he is almighty. You know, whatever. I use interchanging pronouns. And I do that, especially when speaking to young people to let everyone in that room know that no matter how they identify, they are welcomed into the beautiful, kingdom and that, they, that God is reflected in them and that they are made in that God's image. Yes. I got kicked off the campus. Yeah. And not, um, not surprised. I literally was not allowed to set foot on it. And I had a few teachers afterwards email me and trigger warning, say that they were going to come to my house and kill me for killing their children. And I was so affronted by this and I couldn't really pinpoint why I was so outraged. And you might be saying, oh, maybe it's because these teachers threatened, they looked up your address and threatened to like burn you in your house. And yes, but also I was, I, not only was I afraid and had to take those steps, but I was offended. I was deeply hurt. And I think the root of it was because I, I said, why is the idea that God could look like me? so offensive to you why and the, you know men obviously and some women coming at me but a lot of men saying god could not be a woman and i thought one so many other communities in the christian world before right. before yeah. the western idea we see it in africa and the middle east were very open to the idea of god being a woman um and that god is a mother we've seen in latin america etc so one that's that exists and ha did exist two what does it say about our Western world's view of women that the thought of a woman God is mm. offensive? How, what does that tell you about how America or Western theology views women? Men see women, they still see women as lesser than, less power, less influence, less worthy, less able to reflect the living God because of this archaic way that gender and women were viewed in the inception of this religion and beforehand, do you, it's offensive. Do you really find, find it? Do you think it's really offense or do you think it's fear? Who men or me men becoming offended that God could be a woman. 
Oh, that I don't know. I know that I was offended and still continue to be when men say God could never be a woman. And I say, why not? What's, mm -hmm. what's mm -hmm. wrong with that? Mm -hmm. And then you've basically painted a man into a corner to say, because women suck. Yeah. Right. Cause that's what yeah. you're saying essentially, because nowhere in the Bible does it say that God is a man. Male pronouns are used because Elohim is male and they live right. in a male dominated yeah. culture, but nowhere does it say that God is a man. And at the same time, Elohim is uh, a multiple iteration of God. Right, not right. We've talked singular. about this. Yeah. Plural, yeah. yeah. So it just, yeah, It to me, I think that we have a lot of work to do as, I want to say, not only Christian community, but in the world. Women are still viewed as lesser than. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it goes back to how we have continued to view men as all powerful. And then it is then reflected in the religions that we go out and create or begin to believe in and develop. And that in turn, those religions go off to then further infiltrate and influence how we view gender. So it's this cyclical mm -hmm. motion of having patriarchal societies that then create patriarchal religions that then continue to support patriarchal societies that then influence patriarchal religion. And it is this cycle that until we are willing to step away and break and start to interpret the Bible correctly and accurately while still making room for the evolution of humanity, right. we are going to be stuck in that cycle. Same loop forever, over and over again. Over and over again. So I don't know how That's to great. fix it. But. Yeah. So maybe let's then now let's capitulate over. Let's move over to what does that mean for the church today? Oof. Um, I also find it fascinating that a lot of our comments, most of our demographic is post evangelical or some of them are even identify as evangelicals. Yeah. They've left the evangelical church. They're kind of curious about their faith or deconstructing their faith. And then there's a small portion of people who are Methodists or Presbyterian. And some of them are ministers in that aspect. And it's so, um, it's fascinating. One of the questions we put up about uh, it was something around like, do you go to affirming church? What would it take for churches to become affirming? What oh, would you right. like to hear? And I would say 90% of the comments were, I left my church because of this, or I'm having disagreements with the church because yeah. of this, uh, because I am queer or my sister is queer. And then you have the one-offs of the Methodist ministers, the Presbyterian ministers, which are mainly women. I uh, went to a Methodist church growing up. A lot of my family on my mom's side is mm, Methodist. Okay, yeah. I love the Methodist church. The first pastor I ever saw was female. Amazing. Okay, so yep. you get it. Mm -hmm. um, and then their comments would be like, what are you guys talking about? Yeah. This has been something since I was a baby and right. I'm like in my 70s, right? Yeah. And so some denominations out there, they're getting this right. Yeah, Methodists right? do very well. But a lot of our followers and listeners and you and I have history with the evangelical church mm -hmm. and God as a mother is not only a non-existent thing, but if brought up, it's probably something that you're immediately told you're wrong. Yes. So let's maybe talk about why that might be the case in those churches and how maybe the evangelical church could open its horizon a little bit with that particular topic. My immediate thought for that is very brief, and it is that the evangelical church and not just many other many, yes. communities mm -hmm. 
we're mainly hitting the evangelical church because that is primarily where the people our who, experience has it's been. our experience so just know that i'm not coming at this as an outsider i've very much been oh, in yeah. the evangelical oh, yeah. experience it is and i think a lot of people don't know that about me and then they think that i'm like bashing a community that i've never been in deeply rooted in and i grew up in the deep south a, of the bible belt yeah, so. i was a pastor in it for 15 years right yeah we both this is coming from a place of experience and love for and accountability for yes and the evangelical church has a really gnarly habit of approaching topics with certainty and that is the most dangerous approach you can have to something as complex and divine and surreal as the divine and religion as a whole yeah so when you approach something like the gender of god or you know human rights or, you know, things like that. When you're coming out with what the history of human rights has been in the Bible, not great, mm. right? The complexity of it, the layers of it. So to say with certainty that homosexuality is a sin and it's bad to say, you are claiming to know a lot more than philosophers and theologians that existed well before your time. Yeah. You're claiming to know a hell of a lot more than most theologians and PhDs on this topic. When you approach something with the utmost certainty and not an ounce of questioning, not an ounce of curiosity, you've immediately limited how deep you can go with your faith. Mm. The minute that you approach an argument, a topic, um, a discussion with certainty, you've entered the danger zone where you know you have a stopgate at how far you can go with it. And I think that is the evangelical, what they need to do to change, you know, what something that the evangelical church can do actively to become more inclusive and, and maintain influence and relationship in the world, approach the, listen to the complexities that humanity is crying out for. Listen to the complexities, the topics, the needs, the wants, listen to the human needs and approach those topics with curiosity and a willingness to have your mind changed instead of approaching it with certainty, because mm. then you've limited dialogue, negotiation and reconciliation. That would be my take. Boom. Good soapbox. I have one thing to add Always to that soapbox. too. Yeah. Um, I also think it's a power dynamic thing. Absolutely. I think it's absolutely a way to keep um, very much like our political system, which as we all know, the evangelical system, the political system are very much in tandem, yeah. a pretty firm handshake between the two. And there's a reason why women in many denominations are still not allowed to be pastors. And yep. it's very much a power dynamic thing. I don't think I need to go into that at all Yeah. in any bit. But you said something inside of your little riff there that I think was beautiful and very important to talk about. To listen to the universal human consciousness. What is humanity asking for? Yes. And Throughout history, humanity has always not only asked, but yelled for equity, equality among many spectrums, particularly in this case, between a woman and a man yeah. within power structures. Recently here in Portland, in the last several years, there was a pretty predominant church here that just started allowing either female pastors or uh, women on their board. It's one, the, one or the other or both and. I remember talking to the Christian culture in Portland about that and then the non-church going culture about that. And the Christian culture was like, they're going to get blasted. They're going to be heated. But this is what we're supposed to do. Women need to be in leadership. And yeah, good on you, church, for um, starting to make some right moves in the right direction. Yeah. But then the other side, a lot of people who have left the church and people who weren't even church or or believers at all in any way – 
see that and they go, dude, it's 2021. Right. And they're just now, they're just now thinking about this. And I think that is very telling and very alarming that we are not meeting the human consciousness. The church is not meeting the human consciousness where it needs to be met. I would even argue that is so anti-Jesus. Yep. It is so anti-Christ of us to not be able to have full equitable distribution between genders. Like, are you're kidding me yeah. that this is still a topic of discussion? And if you really were to get the honest, rooted answer out of a male pastor about this, I firmly believe it's not a, um, well, the Bible says so. And I'm telling you all right now, do not leave Second Timothy in the in the comments for this uh just go literally read the verses right before it that first Um, that passage also says that women are saved by childbearing and you can't wear pearls or gold to church so and that men have to shave their beards so pick and choose if you're gonna pick some you gotta pick all get a little bit more creative with the with the the debate but drives me crazy i i don't think most pastors would use that and if they are you you are being bland and lazy with your with your education right you were hired too quickly without proper education yeah you were told to give that answer yeah whenever a pastor (laughs) gives me that i'm like oh so you have no education in in the you were given this because your dad was the senior pastor you were given that job out you inherited that position yeah So, so there's that but then i think the root of it all i do think it is not so much a fear of women but a fear of a man losing power 100%. 100%. It, oh, sorry. You keep going. I didn't no, want to no, go for it. I just, I just read this thing. I'm, I had read parts of this book before, but I'm going back and reading the whole thing. The making of biblical womanhood by Alison, oh, something man. Alison Barr. Yeah. I'm going to mess up her full name. I'm sorry. But she brought up this incredible point that goes exactly what you're saying. And I had never thought of this. Maybe you had, or maybe I'm about to have like, you're going to have a light bulb moment too. She said, Men benefit from patriarchy for a lot of reasons, but more specifically financial power, financial power. Yeah. She said, because women can only go up to administrative, maybe women's pastor in the church. I see where you're going. Right. So she's making met, you know, let's just call it like 60 K men can go up to executive pastor, associate senior pastor, right? We're doing, we're making six figures at this point in some bigger churches. They're making more. Men can make more money than women with the current patriarchal theology because women can only go up to a certain ministerial point. Right. I, in most evangelical spaces, can only make a certain amount, whereas a man can go straight through that ceiling to senior pastor, to executive pastor, and make so much more. So mm. the minute women break through that ceiling, their competition, for men's competition for those high-paying jobs just doubled. Yeah, yeah. Did you, I've never thought about that. Yeah, I, I, almost immediately I saw where you were going. With You're it, like, right? yeah. duh, but I had who's never... going to make who's going to make more, the senior pastor or the senior pastor secretary? Bingo. Yeah, never thought I yeah. read that, and I was like, of course, like, of course, that's a huge reason yeah. why even especially male pastors in the evangelical church yeah. want women to remain below and subordinate mm. is mm-hmm. for financial power. That yeah. is one hundred percent it, because a lot of times. If women were to enter that space, they would get those jobs because women have been having to fight and work their way up. Whereas men are often hired because they're inherited. They're lazy. They're, 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 I'll say I'm a man. I can say it. Well, and I don't, not all men I'm hearing. I'm getting a lot of not all men energy from the camera right now. Like I just know that that's what everyone's getting. Not all men, not all men. 
We love men, okay? But we love men. We love men. Fern loves men. Um, but I would ask you, how many women have been handed a high-paying pastoral role because their dad was the pastor? How many women inherit roles? How many women are promoted to senior or associate or executive pastor simply because they're friends with the church? Yeah, yeah it's not a lot. I'm going to go ahead not and say, lot. I'm going to go ahead and guess, it's less than men. Yeah. And that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Like, yeah. Anyways, now I'm angry. So and not I, even a pastor. <laughs> and I'm pissed. Um, and as a man who has pastored in the evangelical space for many years, has in every sense of the way departed from that culture. Um, take it from me. If you are part of a church structure or you're even a pastor who is a pastor in that evangelical space, distributing power to women is one of the most powerful things you can do. Yes, you will lose power, but what you gain on the other side are skills and traits and essences of shepherding that you as a man could never give your your church or your flock. I think that's very important and it's very needed. I think you need to ask yourself, A, it's probably one of two reasons. Am I holding on to this keeping only male figures in power because A, the Bible says so. And if that is your answer, Boy, do we have some work to do. Right. Or number two, am I doing this because uh, I finally have the paycheck and I don't want to give it up? By the way, no one's asking you to give up that paycheck. Yeah. No one is. No, as soon as you become egalitarian, no one's going to be like, great. Now you've got to reapply for your job, but this time you've got to apply yeah. against six women. Yeah. Like yeah. no one's doing that. No. But I think a lot of people are scared, are scared of that. Yeah. I, and, I, and I understand why. Yeah. But do understand that you not putting women in leadership is literally doing the complete opposite that Jesus did. So yeah. therefore, therefore, we must begin to make massive strides in this. And yeah. you will lose something, power, um, leadership, equity among your team or among your church. But again, what you will gain on the other side is a very strong bonded culture, not only with your church, but also with your team as well. Yes. And honestly, I've worked with women so much in the last five years. I would, there's a reason why I have interviewed both men and women for positions. And every single time I always like hire the woman. Women are used to having to work harder to get what they want. Yo, they yep. are. Yes. And more yes. and more specifically, <laughs> women of minority groups are used to having to fight a million times harder than white men or white people yeah. in general to get an inch further. Yeah. And therefore they're usually more prepared in a job interview. And that's not, that's not me making a huge generalization. Everyone is totally in, um, has the right to fail and not do a good job. Sure. I'm simply yeah, saying yeah. Oh, yeah. that we are missing out on just as dedicated and hardworking people. Mm hmm. When we leave out women, when we leave out minority groups, when we leave out the LGBTQ community from opportunities that white men have predominantly held, we are, we are actually limiting the resources, love, and goodness, and experience, and story that that church can then relate to. Absolutely. When you have a white man that goes up on your podium and speaks every single Sunday, day in and day out, you're not bringing people of color. You're not bringing women. You're not bringing minorities. You're not bringing the LGBTQ community. You're not bringing outside sources. You're not bringing anyone else's perspective in except a white man. That's then going to be reflected in your church. And 
Oh yeah. Or your community, your workplace. I mean, someone who's not a Christian, right? If you're working somewhere that's run by only white men or only white people, you're immediately limiting the relatability you have with the community you're so desperately trying to reach and love and serve. Mm -hmm. So it would behoove us to welcome in the most diverse group of people we can so that we are more diversely equipped to serve a diverse community. It makes sense when we say it, yeah. But like, why aren't we doing it? Yeah, because um, you lo- you lose a lot when you do it. If yeah. you're the man in the in the structure with mm-hmm. the power, you you yeah. lose you lose something. You you lose a lot. The last thing I'll say, a beauty of surrounding yourself with women in your, um, I don't know if I'm also doing this, but I'm I'm from Indiana, and I always get told that I said the word women weirdly. It's What's always it? we women women not women. I can't, I don't know. I don't know if I'm doing women. that wrong. Am I doing it Wait, right say it again? this time? No, I'm not. Women. Yeah, it's women. Women. Like W-I, women. Like we- swimming. Is that not what, I'm not joking. Is that not what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, you're saying women. Wem- like Wimbledon. Okay, say. Say swim. No, say. You don't say swim. How do you say women? Women. And how am I saying it? Women. It's literally like the. Give give him a glass of malt. malt. Sorry, Dad, my white friends. <laughs> Who is malt? That's I literally hear the same malt. word. Sorry. Say, when you put say a swim, can you say swim? Swim. There you go. So say swimming. Swimming. Now say swimming. Swimming. There you go. Now just leave off the s. Women. So I say women. I'm so confused. Say swimming. Swimming. Like I'm swimming, not swimming. Say it the southern way. I'm swimming. Swimming. Sw- Without the g. Swimming. I'm so my brain. Are you having a stroke? I think so. Where, where am I? Fern literally got up and left. She was like, <laughs> she's this like, bitch. She's like, I'm so done with this. Um, the only thing I was going to add to the end of that is when you surround yourself with the womankind. Yes. Womankind. Um, with the womankind. My key word will be whiskey. Sorry. <laughs> whiskey. Okay. Give him a glass of milk. Why are you saying, why are you saying it that If way? you don't know what that's saying from, just, what just YouTube the word M-L-M-A-L-K and you're going to have a time. Or watch Hot Rod. Or, Yeah. Where do you get off? Where do you get off? Okay, I'm sorry. Um, what I also gained from that, I have had many men interns, and all of them are bobbleheads. They're just there to serve my purpose. A they're woman, all bobbleheads? Is that what you said? Yeah, you know what that means, right? Yeah, yeah, when yeah, I yeah. say something, they're just like, sure, yeah, yeah whatever uh-huh. whatever you want. Yes, and I, I vehemently hate that. Yeah. Um, but with a woman, they I've never had a woman um, ever have a problem telling me my place or Josh, this is a really stupid idea or Josh, we really like, I'm going to go ahead and go this route. If you choose to follow me, um, then we're going to go this route and we're going to see what happens. And I think that is also a testament because that is, that is ultimately pretty rare. I think that's a Mm. testament to the environment you've cultivated for the women in your life Mm. that it, this is let it be known. We don't hate white men. There are I, really good. This is white a white men. guy talking about this. Don't don't. We're just not don't, saying just white men. You, Josh, you do a really good job of creating an environment where the women in your life feel not only safe but empowered and perfectly capable of saying that's a bad idea or out of love. This idea you have, I see where you're coming from. Here's how we can make it better. You've created that. You and your team have done a really good job of doing that. So I think you're a really good example of what it looks like to create an environment where men and women can work together, equally empowered, equally equipped, equally um, having access to decision-making processes and roles 
you do a really good job of creating that. I also currently work in an environment that does a really good job mm. of saying, I feel very empowered to say, I love this idea or let's change this. And that is the result, not just of one person doing a lot of good things. It's the result of a team of people agreeing that everyone will have equal access to power and decision-making skills. Yes. And Beautiful. that is, it, when you work for a company, when you're in an environment, when you work for a church, it can't just be one person holding that standard. Yeah. It has to be agreed upon on with your board. I'm sure all of your board agrees with the way that you treat women. It's, it's agreed upon. The egalitarian, um, equitable approach to doing life and serving has to be agreed upon with the people in leadership. It can't yes. just be one person having a grand idea of equality. It's got to be everyone agreeing and then committing to it. And that's yes. what you've done with Makers, mm -hmm. with Heretic. That's what Place I'm At Now has done. That's what I try and do with Please Elaborate. And so... And the reason why... I think some people might say the reason why Josh would do something like that is because Jesus did it too. Yes. Sure. That's not the reason why I do it. I, I don't want a crown box full of just yellow or red right. crowns. Then right. You're limited. You're yeah. also limiting who you can reach in the world right. with the content or the things that you are yes. doing. I'm going to reach predominantly, most likely a white culture most likely um, a male culture. Yeah. So then I need to surround myself and give power to people who can reach the other places. Right. Also, they not only can they reach other people, but then they can also reach me, meaning they are going to give me influence and power. Yeah. Um, in understanding in ways that I've never received because I did not grow up with the same human experience that a woman, right. particularly a, like a queer woman of color, um, would be someone I would absolutely like would love if we had the funding, right, uh, to surround myself with. Yeah. Um, because I can think of a more marginalized identity in America, right? Yeah. And that is going to give me experience to then be able to talk into other cultures that I've never had equity in as well. So. Do it, well, sure, so. because Jesus did, but also, like, find the thing under the thing with that yes. as well. Why Jesus did it in the really first place. Examine. Yeah. This was, like, a heady, like, heady one, and I think that's perfect after yes. the last one. I think this was, and like I said, we didn't, we did not cover everything. This was not meant to be exhaustive. There will nope. be more resources, but I think this is as far as we could really go in this discussion before we start getting into, like, the deeper nitty-gritty that would require more one-on-one -on -one conversations. Yeah. So I would encourage you, if you were listening to this, um, and you are curious, open, or you're looking for a way to, to, uh, refute what we've said, go talk to other, com there are communities, there are Christian communities out there honoring men and women and all, and other genders and, um, sexual identities very well. Yes. And they've been doing it for a very long time. So this is not new. We did not invent this, though we would love to take the credit. We did not invent this concept of the egalitarian approach no. um, to theology and Christian church life. There are churches, denominations, and communities that have been doing it well in America and across the globe. Yes, for hundreds of years. Hundreds of years. So go talk to those people. And if the worst thing we can do is approach something with certainty. So if you say that women should be subservient to men, what are you going to say to the communities that have been practicing something contrary to that belief for hundreds of years before you were born? Right. Go talk to them, hear what they have to say, 
even if you walk away still disagreeing, before you start to approach this with some level of certainty and claiming to understand every nook and cranny of the gendering of God and theology, go look in those nook and crannies. Go to those other communities that practice an egalitarian theology. Hear what they have to say. Be open to it. And from there, make your decision. Yeah. And then you can always change your mind. Yeah. You don't get an award for sticking with the same belief and decision for the rest of your life. There mm -hmm. is no reward for that. Trust me, I thought there was for a very long time. There is not. So go explore, look at other communities, hear different perspectives, and then come back and tell us what you find. Ayo. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Yeah. If you want more content, remember we are on Patreon. You mm. can sign up five, 10 or $35, whatever you are comfortable with. If you want yep. extra episodes, we have our bonus episode of, yeah. of sexuality on there right now. And a couple of other things. Yeah. You know, a lot of Anything people else? have been asking us to go bike bi-weekly, which is like many of you are like, can we get yes. more episodes every month? We would love to, but we can't do that because guess what? We have jobs that have yes. to pay our bills. And so we don't get paid for this. Um, even if we cashed out what we do make off of this, it would literally buy our dinner, right? So, so if you would like us to go bi-weekly, the best way to support us would be Patreon as well. Um, great, great. And at the same time, Fern, come here. Come on. Come here. Come on. Come here. Do you want a treat? I bet come she here. wants to go on a walk. Oh, Watch oh this. I saw that. Hey, Fern, do you want to go potty? I was just, yeah. I was going to hold Fern and then like sing in the arms of an angel for only $2 a month. Wait, can you sing it? Can you sing it? If you want to be able to give Fern enough food so she doesn't die, do you want to see more dogs die? Is that what you want? You're a terrible person. So instead of being terrible. It fades. It's you, but it's like Fern's face floating over. Okay, sorry. We got to wrap this up. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Like love you and all. subscribe. We got to go. We Bye. love you so much. Goodbye.